Well, good evening, uh, Living Hope family, and thank you again for joining us. Abby and the Thindale Choir, thank you so much for leading us into worship tonight. Now, for those of you that are joining us tonight, if you have your Bibles, I would like to encourage you to take it and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. And we're going to read from chapter 28 all the way from verse 1 to verse 15 tonight. So I'll encourage you to take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 1 through 15. Before we read God's word, I would, like us to, I would like you to join me in prayer as we commit God's word into your hands and want to hear what God has to say to us this evening in his word. So let us pray. Father, tonight we thank you. Thank you for this Easter Sunday, Lord. Lord God, that we can look to you, Father, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, that we can reflect back on what took place 2,000 years ago, our God, and once again allow you to speak to us tonight, Father. Lord, I pray tonight for every heart that will be listening, wherever they are, God, that your spirit will speak to them, God. Bring the truth of your word into the hearts of your people, O God. Let not self be seen, but let your name be glorified this evening, Father. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our salvation. And so we commit, Lord, I commit this service into your hands. I commit the word into your hands. I commit the preaching into your hands. Commit everything into your hands tonight. I commit your people into your hands, God. Lord, Father, for those that don't know you tonight, I pray, God, after hearing your word in the midst of it, God, that they will come to the knowledge of the truth, God, that you will bring them to the place of repentance, Father. God, that they can know you as Lord and Savior. For those that know you, God, I pray that you will strengthen and encourage them to continue, oh God, to walk with you, to continue to put their hope, put their faith, and put their trust in you, God, because you are indeed the way, the truth, and the life. You said, no man come unto you, uh, I come to the Father except through you, because you are indeed the way, you are indeed the truth, and you are indeed life. And so you have come to give us life and to give it more abundantly, and tonight is a reflection of God, because you have triumphed victoriously over the grave. And God, you have given us life, life abundant, Father. And we thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 28, um, verse 1 says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first of the week, Mary Madeline and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it his appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men but the angel said to the woman do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified he is not here for he has risen and has said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you in Galilee. There you will, find, there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran and tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and and took hold of his feet and worship him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers 
to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right, so tonight if you are following me, I would like you to place uh, close attention to, to the words of Matthew chapter 28 that we have read tonight. On Good Friday, we looked at the cries of Jesus as he spent the last six hours of his life on the cross before he gave his life, which is on Friday night that we looked at that. My sermon today is our final message in the series, The Cross of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to say tonight that I cannot find a more fitting message than the resurrection of Jesus Christ to close this sermon series off. And I trust that you will watch the entire series of the cross of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is, very, is the very foundation of our Christian faith. Now, I always like to say that again, and I'll say it again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very foundation of our Christian faith. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, there will be no salvation. There will be no savior, no hope for humanity and no life everlasting. Jesus has triumphantly and victoriously conquered sin. He has conquered death, the grave, and the power over Satan. Satan and the enemies of God thought that the death of Christ is the end of our Lord. And they were celebrating that the one who, the, the one and only hope for humanity has been destroyed. <laughs> but they were wrong, completely wrong. You see, they failed to realize that the one who said he will lay down his life has the power to take it back. They completely forgot all about that. Christ's death on the cross was not the end, brothers and sisters. God has a far greater plan that shook both the political and the religious world God had a far greater plan that shook both the political and the religious world. Yes, and you heard me right. Which still today baffles the mind of historians, religious leaders, and critics alike. Many would easily accept the birth and the death of Christ. The birth and the death of Christ they will easily accept. But they find it hard to grasp the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So hard they find it. Many critics of the resurrection think that the disciples stole the body of Jesus Christ and hid it from the authorities. Now there are many, many arguments against the evidence of the resurrection. I'm not going to go through every one of them. But they think that the disciples stole the body of Jesus and hid it from the authorities. Now I want to ask three questions based on what I just said, why would the disciples of Jesus go to such a length and live their lives in denial of the resurrection? Why would they want to hide the body? It would have served them no purpose. Why would they want to live a lie and then defend a self-righteous and a self-proclaimed savior and a liar? You know, the great, the, the, the great uh, uh, writer um, C.S. Lewis said, I, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. 
And you can accept either one of the three. Is either he's liar, a lunatic, or a lord. And then why would the disciples then would want to live their life to defend a self-proclaimed savior and a liar? Why would they want to do that? Why would simple, ordinary men, here's the second thing, why would simple, ordinary men and women be willing to lay down their lives for a liar? Why would they, what benefit would they serve him? Serve them. History has proved that many of Jesus' disciples were willing to lay down their life for the truth, the truth that Jesus Christ indeed rose from the grave, indeed is alive. And they were all martyred by, because of that, because of their faith. Nothing can stop the movement of God. Nothing can stop the truth from God to, to reach to every nation and every tongue and every tribe. You know, the great theologian Karl Barth has to say, he said this in his words concerning the resurrection, and I'll quote. He says, the resurrection of Jesus was like a boulder crashing into the pool of history. Like a boulder crashing into the pool of history. You see, the resurrection is accurately recorded for, by all four of the gospel writers. All four. They all four bear record of the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Providing us with detailed account of what took place on the first Easter morning. That is Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, Luke chapter 24, and John chapter 20. You can go to every one of these four gospel writers and find the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And a very detailed eyewitness of every account. Very detailed account. Many people of our day even believers, now let me say something, and I'll make a note here tonight. Many people of our day, even believers, truly do not understand the meaning of the word resurrection. We confuse resurrection re with resuscitation. I said that on Friday night, that the people, the, the, the saints that were raised from the dead, even Lazarus, they were not resurrected, resuscitated. Only Jesus is resurrected. Only Jesus was resurrected, sorry. He is the one that, 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 that triumphantly raised from the grave. To some, the word resurrection means raising from the dead. When you ask believers, what does it mean? It's been raising from the dead. Or simply to be with Jesus. Now, I want here tonight that is very important. As believers, we truly need to understand what resurrection truly means. N.T. Wright, a great author of the, of the Christian faith, said that people in the ancient world knew the difference between resurrection and resuscitation. They knew it. And here's what he said in his own words, and I'll quote him. When they said, when, when they did say resurrection, it was because they were talking about a new embodied life after a period of being bodily dead. I'll quote you right again. When they did say, that is the ancient people, the first century people in the Jesus day, when they did say resurrection, it was because 
they were talking about a new embodied life after a period of being bodily dead which is exactly what the resurrection narrative of the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about and I close quote from N.T. Wright and I hope you understand that tonight never confuse resurrection with resuscitation there are several things I would like to draw to your attention this evening things that we need to pay careful attention to close and careful attention to so that we can truly understand the biblical account of what took place that first Easter Sunday morning which means that I will spend some time here this evening brothers and sisters or everyone that is watching I will spend some time today to pull out some of those words or phrases from the 16 verses that we the 15 verses that we read tonight I'm going to extract some truth so that you understand what happens on that on that Easter morning before we dive deep into the spiritual the scriptural passage that we just read from Matthew I would first like to turn to Matthew chapter 27 the chapter that we read on Friday night the chapter before the chapter we read tonight which is chapter 27 and if you have your Bibles and you are following with me turn with me to Matthew chapter 27 verse 62 to verse 66 I'm gonna read that quickly for you and hear what it says the next day that is after the day of preparation that is after the crucifixion I'm just gonna give you a little bit of a setting here after the crucifixion Jesus died they took him took his body down and hear what it says the next day that is the day of the preparation the chief priests and the Pharisees gather before Pilate now this is the chief priests and the Pharisees they gather before Pilate and here what is the Pilate Pilate we remember how that the, that the imposter which is Jesus who is dead this imposter said that while he was still alive after three days I will rise therefore Order the tomb to be made secure until the day least his disciples go and steal him away and tell people. <laughs> Did you hear what they said? They said, therefore order the tomb to be made secure or sealed until the day least the disciples go and steal him away and tell people. That means just make sure no one go there and steal the body of Jesus. He has risen from dead that is what people are that, that the disciples are going to say that this Jesus is risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first so they're saying we don't want this word to come out we don't want this word to come out that Jesus because he said he's going to be, be raised from the dead we don't want any of that to happen you seal the tomb and make sure that it has been guarded as well we don't want this fraud this deception this this lie to come out and then Pilate said to them you have guard you have a guard of soldiers go and make it secure as you can so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard now sealing the tomb means that they, they put Caesar's seal on it no one else supposed to break it to break it means it means to disobey Caesar and you don't want to mess with Caesar because you break the seal of Caesar you, you, you're gonna get killed there is nothing you cannot disobey you cannot break the seal of, of Caesar and that's what the Jewish leaders went the religious leaders went 
They were not only satisfied that they crucify him, they were not only satisfied that he died on a cross, but they wanted to make sure this, this Jesus, the words that he said, will never come to pass. That he will never come out of that grave. We're going to keep his body, we're going to secure his body. Now I want to talk about it, the sealing of the tomb. You see, the chief priests and religi religious leaders remember all that Jesus said. After three days that he will rise. To make sure that this does not happen, brothers and sisters, they requested, and like you just heard me, that the teal be sealed and the soldiers be placed there. You see, one of the things that I gather from that passage of text is that it, would, it was to ease their own fear, knowing deep down in their wicked hearts that they have just crucified an innocent man to death. And they would do anything anything brothers and sisters to stifle the truth they would do anything these sinful wicked men will do anything to stifle the truth because men brothers and sisters men, men rather darkness than light men rather false than truth men rather a lie rather than a truth men rather darkness rather than light the bible says and here you see a a, a portrait of that here you see the very picture. You saw it in the crucifixion. You saw it when, when, they were, when they put him on trial. And here you're seeing them even after his death. The wickedness of man's heart. Later in my message today, you will, you will see the length and breadth, the wickedness of sinful men and the wickedness of men, how far they are willing to go to suppress the truth for their own satisfaction, for their own gain. The wickedness and of sinful man still plagues our world today. Do you hear me, brothers and sisters? The, the wickedness of sinful men still plagues our world today. It still plagues our world. It has not changed in our world, it has not changed then, and in our world, it is still taking place, brothers and sisters. And it comes in many forms. Evil comes in many forms. Evil is evil. Wickedness is wickedness. And men are willing to suppress the truth and to live a lie. And there are many people out there that are doing that today when it comes to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many. But they rather suppress it. They rather ignore it. They rather turn their back from it and to live a lie. How can, how can you seal something that you have no power over? That is what puzzles me when I read this passage of scripture. How can they believe that they can seal a tomb or a grave? They have no power. Man has no power over death and over the grave. Death, the Bible says, death could, not Bible, the songwriter said, death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. The only truth that we can, that the only truth, the only truth that can set us free is Jesus Christ and Him alone. That is why there had to be a resurrection. That is why He rose from the dead so that we can have, we can live a life and a life more abundantly, the Bible says. We can live a life and a life more abundantly. Next, we'll look at the account. Not only do we need to talk about the empty tomb, which you just heard me, that they wanted to seal it. 
Now, I want you to take you to the passage of Scripture tonight that we just read in Matthew chapter 28. And let's look at the verse tonight. I'm going to break that down for you so that you truly understand what it means and what happens on that day. Let us look at chapter 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, it says here, now after the Sabbath, what happened? Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Madeline and the others, Mary, went to see the tomb. So now here, Mark is giving us the account, not only after the, the, the Pharisees and the, the religious leader went and asked for the tomb to be, um, to be sealed. Here, they, here, Mark is now giving us the account of the resurrection morning. That Sunday morning, that Mary and, and, and the ladies were going to see the tomb. But the first thing that Matthew gave us, Matthew and Mark will give us an account of the resurrection, that the resurrection story starts with these words, after the Sabbath. And then Luke and John is going to give us these words on the first day of the week. So Matthew and Mark tell us, reflect on the Sabbath, which was on the Saturday. And then Luke and John is telling us about the story from the Sunday morning. All of them are bearing witness of the same thing. One is casting back what happened the day before. The other two are, cast, are, are helping us to understand what happened in the morning. They all bear record of the same story. But Mark starts with the, with the Sabbath, after the Sabbath. He's given us that account. And it is important for us to pay attention to the word Sabbath. And I'm going to take some time to touch on that tonight. In the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, ever since the first resurrection and the ascension of Jesus into heaven, ever since the first resurrection, which we are celebrating 2,000 years ago, and the ascension of Jesus in the book of Acts, in, in, and the ascension of Jesus that is spoken in the first chapter of the book of Acts after he ascended into heaven, the early believers in the book of Acts began to meet on the first day of the week to celebrate and worship the resurrected Lord and Christ. They began to meet on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, not Saturday. Not Saturday. So I want to say something here tonight, and pay careful attention. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Every Sunday for the Christian believer is, a, uh, is, a, is, is, a, is Easter Sunday. You hear me say that again. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday for the born-again child of God. Sunday is the New Testament Sabbath. Sunday is the New Testament Sabbath. The Sabbath of the old is done away with after the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he is Lord of the Sabbath. And he has introduced us a new and a better way. Not on a Saturday. A Saturday was the old Jewish Old Testament way. Christ has given us something new. All things are passed away, not only in the life of the believer, but all things, the things of the former. Everything that was spoken about Christ and everything that were done is passed away. We live in the new. No longer under grace, but no longer under law, but under grace. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not to tie, we are not to tie ourselves to form or formalities. We're not to tie ourselves to rites and rituals. We're not to tie ourselves to symbols and types or traditions of men any longer. We're not to do any of those things. And hear me again and again say this. Not, no forms, no formality, no rites, no rituals, no symbols, no traditions of men. And Christ 
came and he's done away with those things, why do we need to let ourselves go back? Now let me add something here tonight to everyone that are listening. Since we are talking about traditions of men and things, uh, uh, things from the secular world that creep into the Christian churches and into Christian homes, I want to draw your attention to something before I go to my next point. While I am on forms and traditions and rites and rituals, while I'm talking about that, I, I wanted to just drop this in here in my message tonight. Pay close attention. As Christians, excuse me, as Christians, we do not seek, we do not do, we do not search and seek after or seek for Easter eggs and bunnies. We as Christians do not go after and seek and look for Easter eggs and bunnies. And some of you are going to maybe shaking your head at this point and says, what am I talking about? Let me say this. There are no bunnies in Easter. In the ancient world, bunnies are a symbol of fertility and the new life. That's what it represents. Symbol of fertility and new life because they give birth so frequently. And bunnies were used to represent and it was later introduced in our Western world, which is Canada, North America, most likely in the States it starts, back in the 1700s by German immigrants. And ever since then, that tradition that was celebrated by, by those folks came into our Western culture and found its way into our homes and in then into our churches. Bunnies and color eggs have nothing to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ or with Christianity. Bunnies and Easter eggs have nothing to do with that, brothers and sisters. As Christians, we do not need bunnies and eggs to remind us of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We do not need anything to remind us of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. You want to be reminded of resurrection of Jesus Christ? Go to church. Worship the Lord and serve Him. Whether you're doing this online or in person, that is resurrection. That's how you understand the resurrection when you find yourself worshiping just like you're doing here this afternoon. Don't find the resurrection of Jesus Christ in eggs and bunnies. So I will move off of bunnies now and I'll talk about the second verse that we the same verse that we read. And behold, hear what Matthew chapter 28 verse 2 says. And behold, there was a great earthquake. So we move away from, from bunnies. We move away from the traditions of men. We move away from what we just talked about. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Not only the Sabbath morning, but the, Matthew is saying that there is a great earthquake long before the woman hit got to the tomb, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now there are several things in this passage of scripture that I'm going to draw out for you to understand. First, we're going to look at not only the Sabbath, but we're going to look at earthquake. Earthquake speaks of announcement. When the Bible talks about earthquake, it talks about an announcement of God, some sort of a miraculous announcement that God is making or God is saying to his people. We saw that on Friday night, after Jesus gave up his spirit, after he gave up his spirit, there were earthquake and darkness throughout the land, and the saints were, were raised. 
Earthquake, earthquake at the death of Jesus represents the announcement that something mysterious was going to take place. And something mysterious did take place. The Bible says that the dead rise, the earth split open, and the, those dead saints rise. And they were all over. You see, earthquake represents a sign that God is saying something to every one of us, which God is calling to the attention on that morning. We have the account of the woman now. Matthew is saying we have a second account. One earthquake when he died and another earthquake when, when they come to the tomb. And here what Matthew says. Matthew says, as they came, they make their way to the tomb where they lay the body of the Lord. And behold, there was this great earthquake. Here again, we have this, this great evidence of earthquake. Uh, this account from Matthew with the earthquake. As the women were approaching. Meaning that there is an announcement that heralds something of Christ. Something is taking place. That Christ is risen. And then the angel turned and said to them, the, the, the angel looked to them. And then he's going to be a record to them of what happened. So, the, so we see the earthquake represents the announcement. Now after the earthquake, we have the account of the angel. Matthew not only tells us that there's a Sabbath, but there's an earthquake. But now he said there's an angel. Okay, angel accompany the earthquake. Let's look, about, let's look at that. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the angel of the Lord. Here Matthew, Matthew, Matthew mentioned that we have the appearance of an angel. His appearance, he said, was like lightning and his clothing was like snow. Meaning that the angels were clothed with the Shekinah glory of the Lord, which is the very presence of God. In the midst of the disciples, the presence, these women, the presence of God manifests itself and the angel represents that. The Shekinah glory of God that they were not able to look upon it. I mean, this also reminds me of the Shekinah glory when Moses met, and made, met with the Lord in the mountain, in Mount Sinai. And then after he came back with the tablet, the people saw that his face was so shining. Which means that the Shekinah, the glory of the Lord was upon Moses' face. And here we now, here we see the announcement of the angel. Matthew giving us this account, not only of the earthquake, but the angel. Now, where else in Christ's life do you find angels? We got angels when, he, when Mary was conceived at the birth of Jesus. There was the angel show up to Mary, this young virgin, and says, Hail Mary, Mary full of grace and truth. Hail Mary, fear not. The very first thing he says, fear not. And then after he finished telling Mary that she will give birth to a son and he must call his name the angel, then the night when Jesus was born, the angel shows up to the shepherds as they were watching flock by night. And he tell them, fear not. Same words. Fear not to Mary. Fear not to, to the shepherds. And then fear not to the believers them, the women. There's always something to fear when an angel show up. When an angel of the Lord show up, there's always something to fear. That is the reason why when they show up, they always say fear not. Because they're, either they, 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 they are going to bring a, a comforting words or speak words of pro, prophetic words. That is the reason why each time in scripture when, we, when there is an account of the appearance, they will force announce fear. Because angels are, are beings, created beings. These are angels of God. They are created beings, created as messengers of God. They are not little cupids that we hang around in our homes and to bring good luck. 
Don't ever mistake the angels to be cupids that with little flying wings. Or you know, some people would say, well, each and every one of us have an angel watching over me. You don't have a special angel watching over you. You want an angel, you want something to, to lead you and to direct you and to watch over you. Give your life over to Christ and surrender your heart to him and the, and the Holy Spirit will come and be your light and be your witness. What you need is the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't need a little angel. Angels have a special purpose by God. And then Matthew says, not only a great earthquake, but the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. And the next thing, which is our next point, not only the angel was there, but guess what he did? He rolled back the stone. Rolled back the stone and then sat upon it. What an amazing account from Matthew's gospel. Many times we read these accounts and I guess we missed it. But what an amazing account from the gospel of Matthew. After rolling back, after the earthquake, there is this wonderful piece of rolling back the stone. Now a lot of people misrep misunderstood this piece of scripture. And again, I'm going, to, I'm going to help you understand what it means. Now, now, why is this information, before I do so, why is this information important for us and for the disciples? Why is that information so important that the stone is rolled away, that the stone is rolled away, that the angels roll away the stone and then sat in it? The angel did not roll back the stone to let Jesus out. Don't ever believe that lie. The rolling back of the stone on that day was not to let Jesus out. Jesus was already out of the grave. He didn't need anyone to roll back the stone for him. He was already risen. He has power over death. He has power over the grave. Nothing can keep him down. And he, didn't, he did not need an angel to roll back the stone. So don't ever believe that the angel rolled back the stone for Jesus to come out. No, he rolled back the stone so that Mary and the woman can see that the grave is empty. That the grave is empty. And that's what 28 verse 5 says. And the angel said to them. Here in Matthew 28 verse 5 says. And the angel said to them. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Because he's long gone. For he has risen. As he said. And he's reminding them. Then, he says, then the angel turned to them and says. Come and see the place where he lay. Come and see, it's empty. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before to Galilee. There you will see him. Exactly what the angel said. That Jesus is not here. As believers, I want to say this, we have nothing to fear. That is the first thing I want to call out before we continue. When the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid, we as believers have nothing to fear. Jesus says, fear not, for I am with you even unto the end of the earth, even to the end of the age. That is the assurance that we have as believers when we commit and surrender our life to Jesus Christ. Because he lived, we will live also. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there will be no assurance of salvation. The believers, the women, were given such assurance, they, they have no need to worry of their Lord. Fear not, for the Jesus that you know that is crucified, he is not here. 
the grave is empty. It's empty. For I know that this Jesus you seek. That is key for us to pay attention to. Not only tell him to fear not, not only to come and see that it's empty, but hear the account of Matthew that utters the words of the angel, for I know, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. That was the right tomb. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. You're not going to find him in here. That is, a, that is one of the key and detailed accounts of Matthew and all the other gospel writers that, they are, that the angel mentioned that this, they are seeking Jesus who was crucified, not somebody else. Not some other Jesus. They were not, they were not crazy people. They were not mad. They were not delusioned. Some critics claim that the women were mistaken, that they went wrong, they went to the wrong tomb, that they were distressed and emotionally drained, which is why, which is why they were imagining things about angels. And these accounts that they're saying that the, that, the, that, that the disciples wrote were because these women were crazy. They were not crazy. They were not delusion. They were not emotionally drained. They were not imagining things. Men would do anything to suppress the truth and will do anything to deny the truth. The burial of Jesus happened so fast that the body was not well prepared for burial. The reason why the next day the women were going to beg the soldiers and to open the tomb so that they could pay their final respect and to anoint the body and do the right thing that we're supposed to do because the Jewish leaders want to get rid of the body so fast. They, want to, they have a fast trial. They have a fast crucifixion. They want to get rid of the body. They want to suffocate the truth. They want to bury the truth. So these women were not mad. These were not delusion. And that's why the angels say, you're seeking the same Jesus, the one that was crucified. You're not looking for the thief, the two thieves. They were not mad and delusion. No, these women were in their right mind. They knew what they were doing. And like I said, men will do anything to bury and suffocate and suppress the truth. But little did they know that there is no need for preparation. That is the woman. Mary and the other woman, little do they know that it, there was no need for preparation. There's no need to prepare his body because he's not there. There's no need for ointment. Or any such thing. These women and all the other disciples failed to remember. They failed to remember the words spoken by the Lord. Three times in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 17, Matthew chapter 20. Jesus told them these words. Exactly. That he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the hands of the chief priests and the scribes. And guess what? They will kill him. And on the third day, Jesus reminded them for three times that he will be raised. Now, none of them remember any of that. But remember what I said, the chief priest and the scribes went to... Also remember, the chief priest and the scribes went and asked Pilate to seal the tomb. And remember what Jesus says. But the disciples were so, were so caught up with the loss of their Lord and their Savior and their teacher and their Master and the Messiah 
that they failed to li listen and remember the truth of what he said. Believers are in that same position today, no different. They are believers who fail to trust God the way he should be trusted. They fail to put their trust in him wholeheartedly that sometimes they run after other things. We go and we go after things. We say, I'm a, I'm a child of God and I believe him and I will trust him. But yet again, we don't trust him 100%. Yet again, we don't put our entire trust in him. He says, come unto me, all ye that labors on heaven in the laden, and I will give you rest. But none of us don't come to him the way we ought to come. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. We don't seek him first. We don't do that. We forget the teachings. We forget what Jesus said in his word and we fail to trust him. That is the reason why we sometimes live, live our Christian life in, in such a way that it seems that it has no ground, it has no foundation. These poor women, they just were worried about their body to bury it. Need not, at least they knew that they didn't have to do, do any of that if they remember the words of their Lord. I will be, on the third day, I will be raised. Next point is very important for us. Not only what the angels said, not only that Jesus is not here, come and see, but hear what he said in the sixth verse, that this Jesus whom you are seeking, that he is not here, hallelujah. He is not here, for he is risen. That is the first resurrection. There is no more until the resurrection of the saints. There is no more resurrection until Jesus come again. So don't look for another resurrection until Jesus come. And that is my next point. He is risen, which is the title of my message this evening. He is not here, brothers and sisters. He is risen and he said, come see the place where he lay. Christ is risen, risen from the dead. This announcement of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was made known by the angel of the Lord to those close to him. Nobody else. He is no longer dead, but he's alive. Jesus, Christianity don't serve a dead God, we serve a living God. And we celebrate every Sunday the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not only on this Sunday and in Easter every year. We celebrate him every Sunday. We worship him. We glorify him. We praise him. We magnify him. We lift up holy hands and give him the praise and glory and honor. Because he is alive and he's alive in our hearts. That is the hope we have. That is the assurance we have as believers. That our Savior is not dead but is alive. And we don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God that lives in the hearts of men and women. And the angel says, come see for yourself for the place where he lay. He is no longer there. And you can never go find his body in a grave. You can never go find a place that he is still there. But every other religious leader who died, who came on this earth and walked this face of the earth, died and their body is still in a grave. Not Jesus, risen from the dead. Hallelujah. We celebrate that every Sunday. And Christian and believers remember that every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Which brings us to our final account. 
Not only is he risen and he's not there, but here the wonderful news that we have. What do we do with that message that he is alive? What do we do with the message that he is alive? You know what the angel said? Verse 7, then go quickly and tell his disciple that he is risen from the dead. As believers, we are to go and tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This last and final point, brothers and sisters, is that the woman who came to the empty tomb were the first to be given the message to go preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go! Until he is risen. Yes, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And he is not dead. That is the message. Go tell them. Go spread. Tell the disciples. Tell the world. And they were commanded first to go. And then he says, not only to go, but to go tell the news. And that is what we do as believers. We go tell the news. We go tell about the good news of Jesus Christ. We go preach the gospel. We go preach the good news. Because this gospel brings salvation. The gospel brings hope to lost humanity. The gospel saves and transforms life. Paul said that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Later in Matthew gospel chapter 28 and, 29, chapter 28 and verse 19. The disciples were given the great commission. Which is the commission given to the church to go and tell. To go in all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing everyone that come to faith in Jesus Christ in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We, don't all be, we, are, we are not only to go and preach the good news of the gospel, but we are to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is hope that is given to the believers is not a dead hope, but a hope that is alive. Living hope, the Apostle Paul says. The church of Jesus Christ must never stop preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the mandate of the, every believer to go tell about the good news of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yes, that he's alive. Let that life that Christ has given to you be lived out so others can see it. The resurrected Christ must be preached, brothers and sisters. If Christ is not preached, our men vain. The gospel is indeed the power of God unto salvation. Without the preaching of the gospel, there is no salvation. There is no faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. And the world needs to hear the truth. The world needs to hear God's word. Remember what I said I mentioned to you earlier in my opening comment, comments? That I, that I will shed light on the wickedness of man's heart. Now give me a few minutes here. Matthew give us the account of what, 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 what it looks like. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 11, I want to read these words again to you so you see where I'm going and where I'm coming from. That the wickedness of men in the hearts of men will never stop until they come to faith in Jesus Christ. Matthew 11, 28, 11 says, And while they were going... Behold, some of the guards went into the city. Now the disciples are going. The guards, some guards went to the city and told the chief priest all that has taken place. That Jesus is not there. 
And when they, these men heard, they assembled with the elders and taking counsel. Hear what they came up with. They said, after they have taken counsel, they give a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people, tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while he was, while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, not only tell the people, but also tell the governor, we will satisfy him and keep him out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed that the soldiers, and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Do you see the wickedness of man's heart that they heard that Jesus is no longer in the tomb? Jesus' body is no longer there. Now they're going to spread a lie, not only to the people, not only to Caesar, not only to Pilate, sorry, but to everybody, tell this lie, bury this truth. Isn't that what they did? These religious Jesus, the Bible said that they give sufficient money to the soldiers. They paid Judas to betray his Lord. And now they were paying off the soldiers to stifle the truth of, the, of what took place. Suppress it, deny it. Don't make every, any evidence of this come out. None of this truth must be known. Even today, even today, brothers and sisters, men are still trying to disprove the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Men are still trying hard to do that. You read the account. Go online and read. Today, all of Hollywood movies and entertainment will spend billions of dollars to suppress the truth claim of Christianity. That's what they do. They will spend billions of dollars to suppress the truth just like the religious leaders. And they will spend billions of dollars feeding lies to our children in, 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 the, in, the, in the entertainment world. Not only in the, in the entertainment industry, brothers and sisters, but our governments. And over the years, it has fed into our school system and our colleges and our universities, teaching the lie from the pit of hell that there is no God. And that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not real and it's a farce and there is no evidence. You see, men will go to every length to suppress the truth. They would rather have your children believe a lie rather than to tell them the truth. What they want your children to believe is that everything in this universe and in this created world in which we live comes from nothing. It is the Big Bang story. There is more lie, brothers and sisters, in the Big Bang theory than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is more lie in the Big Bang theory than the resurrection of Jesus Christ because each time they, those who believe in the Big Bang theory will have to go to dig deeper and deeper to ask what was before the Big Bang. And each time they go and they dig deeper, something new comes up with a different explanation about the Big Bang. You go read it. I'm not telling you a lie. As for the resurrection, let me tell you the truth. As for the re resurrection, we don't need to go dig any deeper than the gospel. Each time you read this story 2,000 years ago, it still remains the same from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The story of the resurrection, that Jesus Christ is alive and that he's risen, is still the same. And he lives in the hearts of men and women today. It never changed. 
But the story of the Big Bang continues to change and it will continue to change until Jesus comes. But don't let them feed your children that lie, brothers and sisters. I trust that you're encouraged by the words you hear today. Let us not wait once a year to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen to me today. Don't wait once a year to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't do it religiously. Serve the Lord every, every day of, the, of your life. Rejoice and celebrate each and every day. Take time to gather together in, online or in person every Sunday and worship the Lord. Worship the King of glory. Worship the Almighty God. Worship the resurrected Lord. Join our life group on, uh, uh, to grow in your relationship on Monday night. Join our men's fellowship if you have the time to better understand to be spiritual head of your family and to encourage your children to be part of our children's program. Get them into the programs of the church, which would help them to, to go form in faith as believers. That when they go out in a world out there, they will know how to be engaged with that world out there. And they're not going to live a lie, but live the truth. And they will know how to confront it. So I challenge you this afternoon, wherever you are. As believers, don't wait on once a year for the, for, for, to see him and to declare that he's resurrected. No, every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Happy Easter to everyone. Every single Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. God, praise and thanks for every one of you. And right now I'm going to ask uh, you to join me in a word of prayer as I close. And then we're going uh, to have the, the Tyndale Choir come and sing for us once again. Please join me in prayer. Father, tonight I thank you. Thank you for everyone that's listening. Thank you, God, for your word. Amen. Thank you for your word, God. Thy word have I hid in my heart, David said, that I will not sin against you. Thank you, God, that you remind us of your word this afternoon. Every hearts that listen to the sound of my voice wherever they are God will come to that truth as we've already heard the truth of your word and not to believe a lie and not to suppress the lie I pray for those that don't know you God wherever they are that they will surrender their life to you I pray God that they will draw closer to you Father I pray God that you will live in their hearts and in their lives oh God and manifest the truth of your word into their hearts I pray it for believers across everywhere, God, that you will strengthen them in their walk and their relationship as they read your word, God, that it will come alive in their heart and that they will not just read it for reading's sake, but God, that they will meditate upon your word. Oh God, I pray tonight, Father, that you will strengthen everyone in their walk and in relationship. And we give you thanks for what you're doing among us, God. Thank you for what you're doing in the programs, God, that we have here at Living Hope. On the Monday nights and, on, and in the Thursday nights, the men fellowship, the women's meeting, the prayer meeting, the, the children's program, and all that you're doing, God. Thank you. Not only what you're doing at Living Hope, but at the churches across, in every nation, in every tongue, in every tribe, wherever your, body, your, your church is scattered, God, we pray for them and we lift them up. And ask God that you will continue, Lord, the work that you're doing. That believers will never, never give up, never lose hope, but they will continue to celebrate, God, what you have done 2,000 years ago. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.